0: 1208, this is Jeff Wagner. If you want it, e- we can make it even easier for you to get insight tickets if you simply text me the word insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, which is the Accurate Mortgage talk and text line. We'll send you a link. Ticket sales have been robust. It's, um, my gosh, time is going by. It's a week from Wednesday. So, um want to join. It's going to be a great evening. We've got a lot, especially in an election year, um, your chance to see people up close and personal in a setting that you, you might not typically get a chance to see some of the newsmakers. And it looks like we're going to have a great audience. We're going to have a lot of fun. So tickets are available now. WTMJ.com, Insight 2018. You can click on that. Or if you text me the word Insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-D, we will send you the link. All right. Three big things are coming up in just a minute. But I want to start off with this story that um, you heard the national report on our news just a minute ago on Wednesday there was the national walkout and this of course was supposed to be the the day of protest where you'd have the kids who spontaneously decided that they were going to walk out of classes to protest well I guess gun violence now the question became all right what exactly do you want what is your solution but that, that doesn't matter. You 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 had the protests. Well, here's the story. Kid's name is Jacob Shoemaker, and he is a senior at this high school in Ohio, Hilliard Davidson High School. And he decides he does not want to make a political statement at all. He says, look, I, I just came, I, I'm here to school to learn. And so The school, the walkout was at 10 o'clock or whatever. He says, I'm not going to walk out. He said, I I just, I don't want to join this anti-gun protest. He says, I choose not to walk out. I am here to be taught. I am here. I am in the classroom. So the school says, well, all right, here's the deal. Most kids are walking out. You've got two choices. You can either walk out and join the protest or... You have to leave class, and you have to go down, and all the kids who aren't going to join this protest, we're going to put you in this commons area, and you have to wait until the protest is over. You can study or do whatever. And the kid says, well, wait a second. Okay, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to be used in the – I don't want to make a statement. I just want to study. I, 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 want, to, I want to stay in class and, and be taught. So I don't want to walk out. But, you know, if I go down and you throw me in the, this this pen, this commons area, okay, I'm going to be with the kids. It's going to be perceived that I'm making like a pro-gun statement. I'm not pro-gun. I'm not being used politically. I'm just here. I want to stay in the classroom and let me study. They say, nope, you've got to either walk out or you've got to go down into the commons area. And he describes it as being you know, put in this pen with the kids who decide that they don't want to join the protest. So he says, no, I'm I want to stay here. The school says, well, we we can't let you, we can't let you stay in the classroom at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. We have a policy that prohibits us for security reasons from leaving kids unattended in the building. And the teacher is not going to be there, so you have to leave. Kid says, I'm not going to leave. He was suspended for Thursday for refusing to follow Instructions. In essence, being told that he had to choose sides, he had to participate in the protest, or he had to go hang out with the kids who weren't protesting. Um, and he says, "I just want to stay in school." All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Again, the school says, "Well, we didn't suspend him for jo- for refusing to join in the the anti gun protest." We suspended him for violating instructions because we told him he couldn't stay in the classroom. He had to go and hang out with all the kids who weren't joining the protest. And he said, well, that, that's effectively making me, you know, join the, the other kids. I'm going to be perceived as either being pro-gun or anti-gun. He said, I'm just here to study. 414-799-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I say shame on this school. For putting kids in a position like this, if students want to walk out, that's fine. But for the students who want to stay behind, who want to be taught, who want to learn, to tell them that they have to leave the classroom, we're not going to teach you. We're going to make you leave the classroom and we're going to dump you all into, uh, again, this common area where the not cool kids who aren't protesting or hanging out, I think, is nothing short of shameful. And to suspend this kid. Well, um, you know, I think that's even more. 414-799-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage talk and text line. All right. Did the school do the right thing? The school says, hey, don't give us a hard time. We didn't suspend him for not joining the protest. We've suspended him for not following instructions when we told him during the protest he had to either join the protest or go with all the kids who weren't in the protest. Let's start with Kelly and Slinger. Kelly, or on WTMJ. Hello.
1: Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call.
2: Yes, ma'am. This this is ludicrous. First of all, where were the teachers that were supposed to be teaching the classes? Um, my well, yeah. If, if it's is, a student
0: protest, what? Right. What? Why? If it's a student protest, what are the teachers doing? I mean, is or was this a school protest?
2: Right. Well, that that's what it sounds like. My husband is a teacher. They had a walkout in their district. The teachers that didn't have a class that hour were observing the kids that were protesting, making sure that everything was under control. The teachers that did have a class were surprised, surprised. Teaching the students that stayed
0: in the class. Yeah, Yeah. right. I I mean, I've I've never heard of anything you know like this. And again, I I feel bad for the kid. The kid says, "Look, I just, I, I, if you make me go to this area where I am with all the kids who have chosen not to join the protest, I'm going to be assumed that I'm pro-gun or something like that. I am where I am supposed to be. I'm in my classroom at ten o'clock, and you're telling me I can't stay here, and you're going to suspend me for because I." don't
2: what what a novel idea that a student wants to stay in a classroom to learn
0: right 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 exactly no makes a call i mean and and that's and, and that's the that's the choice i mean what are the teachers doing aren't the teachers being paid to, uh, again, be in the classrooms and teach. Now, if the students decide they want to stage a walkout, well, the students have decided that they want to stage a walkout. It seems to me that this was a school-sponsored walkout. All right, we continue the conversation next. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. That's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. School says, no, you had to leave the classroom. The kid was suspended for leaving the classroom. He says, that is effectively making me take sides in this protest. All I wanted to do was, was be taught. We continue the conversation. It's 1216, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's see, number of texts here. Um, races. Who's organizing the protest, the kids or the teachers? Well, yeah, that's the whole point in connection with this story mike and walker text the teacher should have been giving the lecture as planned to an empty room and the kids who walked out missed out on the lecture now here's another text that says well um here, here's the deal i'm with the school on this one everybody's going to be out of the classroom they made this a school activity they can't just let the kids run around unsupervised I'm not sure if the suspension was fair, but some form of disciplinary action, I think, was in order. The kids do have to be watched, and while they're in schools, it's the school's responsibility. They can't just let the kids run around loose. But that's precisely what they did. All right, th- th- this is this is the thing. the The idea is that the kids go to school to be taught. If kids want to stage a walkout, all right, that's that's fine. That's on the kids. If the school decides we're going to organize, it then becomes a school-sponsored walkout. Now, if that's what this was, fine, but explain it. But this particular kid, I mean, he seems to me he's the only one who's got the common sense that God gave a goose. He says, hey, I'm, I'm here. You... You are making me take sides. You are making me walk out or you are effectively making me go into what he's calling the pit where, you know, most of the kids there are the ones who are necess- are pro-gun. He says, I- I'm just I'm, I'm apolitical on this. You shouldn't force me to make a decision. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Sam in Chicago. Sam, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
3: Hello. Good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? Well, two things. One, I think it's completely ridiculous that the the school itself is facilitating this because the teachers are paid to teach, not to babysit kids that decide they don't want to go to class. Now, I understand a protest. I don't want to make other people angry. I get that. But they did make the decision not to go to class. That's not on the school. That's on the kids. So the fact that they're still paying the teachers to babysit the kids outside instead of teaching in a classroom is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that If we were in school, back when I was in school, if I didn't show up for class, I got in trouble. Not the kid that shows up to class got in trouble. It it just blows my mind that this is the situation.
0: Right. Right now, the school says, well... We just we, we couldn't leave him in the room alone. And I guess my question is, where is the teacher? Isn't the teacher supposed to be in that classroom during the school day at 10 o'clock? And if the teacher's not, does that turn this whole thing into a school sanctioned protest? And if that's the case, well, all right, should the school really be sanctioning these types of things?
3: oh absolutely in my opinion absolutely not it's not the school they're supposed to teach my kids math and english and things like that it's not the school's job to have them protest whether it's gun control or birth control it doesn't matter they shouldn't be out there facilitating a protest and saying oh this is now a school sanctioned event that's not their job to do
0: right to teach exactly thanks the call and and if it's a situation where all right you you're going to have this walkout all right. Well, maybe that's the deal. Where, I, but but look, let, let's cut through this. Let's let's understand what was going on here. You had a number of teachers at this school and at other schools who were supportive of the walkout and who chose to, in their, in my opinion at least, stage their own kind of job action. That they were participating in this walkout. What the teachers should have been is the teachers should have been in the classrooms teaching their kids doing their jobs it shouldn't have been one where oh this is the 10 o'clock bell all right everybody who wants to join the protest you guys go outside everybody else who doesn't want to join the protest here you go down to the pit and pile in with the kids i, I mean you know seriously a- at some point in time you know don't you have to you know make make these calls let's talk to let's see 414 799-1620 mary joe in waukesha mary joe you're on wtmj hello how are you? Very well, thank you. What do you think?
3: Okay, a, a little
2: bit of a different angle here. A couple things. One, I'm not quite understanding uh, where are these kids, and they are kids, 15, 14, sure. 15 years old, who don't have a vote. Where are their parents who have a vote, who have a voice that could, you know, to me would be more meaningful if the parents gathered in protest of uh, this high school and other high schools right. around the country? Now I know people work and all that other stuff, but, I mean, there's a time and place for everything. But second of all, it's my understanding that in order to graduate from high school, you have to have so many hours of learned, uh, you know, mm-hmm. projects, And when are they going to make up this time? Because the 17-minute protest, I
3: think, turned into like a half a day off.
0: Well, in many cases no, Mary Jo, you're you're right. See, that's why I mean thanks I, I got all sorts of hostile thought. Oh, don't you understand? This is a wonderful thing. And the my point was, hey, if if you really felt strongly about this and this wasn't just a let's skip out of school thing what you could have done is stage the protest before school or stage it after school. We're going to do this walkout at 315. But, of course, if you did the walkout at 315, you wouldn't have had anywhere near as many kids participating because, hey, 315 on a Wednesday. Wait a second. Oh, we want to get home or we we want to start watching TV or whatever. So, I mean, this was a a made for television sort of event to do it at this point in time. And by doing it that way and by the schools looking the other way, it created the process. Problems, again, creates problems like this. Curtis in Kenosha. Curtis, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
4: Hi. How you doing? Um. Thanks, Jeff. Sure. Um. My my um daughter goes to Saint uh, Joseph in uh, Kenosha, and uh, they did the teachers and all them did a walkout together, and for 17 minutes, and they all did a prayer, and then they came back to school, and then they went back. You know, they got back to school and did their studying. Mm-hmm. you know school should be
0: so it was essentially a school a school mandated protest kind of like a well, sort of like the fire drill everybody's got to go out everybody's got to leave the building for the fire drill
4: well it wasn't a protest it was more of a vigil where they uh prayed mm-hmm. for 17 minutes for the 17 people that
0: mm-hmm.
4: passed away
0: as opposed to a statement on gun control. Well, I mean.
4: Exactly. I right. think it was better that they did that and then they came back to school than yeah. just letting these kids
0: walk out of school and just doing whatever. Well, well exactly. Th- thanks for- Or forcing, like what happened here, forcing the kid to choose sides, essentially. I mean, which is what. This was all about. Um, If you want to call it, look, it's a private school. So I guess, you know, you you can say, okay, we're going to make the kids go and say a prayer or something like that. I, I, I agree that that's a better alternative. To me, the whole thing, if you would have just said, no, we're not going to allow this to happen. And if you want to do it, do it on your own time. Do it at 315 would have been best. But I think that the school, in my opinion, is being disingenuous for saying that we're punishing this kid for refusing to leave the classroom. He shouldn't have been put in that situation of being made to leave the classroom in the first place. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, three big things. Is chaos really a good way to run the country? That's where we start. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. The question is, how long will some other members of the Trump cabinet last? Um, The reports are that President Trump has decided to remove H.R. McMaster as his national security advisor. Apparently, the long knives are out. And um, just like when they're talking about firing a baseball manager um, and the owner comes and gives him a vote of confidence, that's normally the kiss of death. Same thing happens here. Apparently, the reports are that the Trump administration, the president, has already decided to fire his national security advisor. And um, they're saying, well, no, no, we don't think that's going to happen. And um, we, we have confidence in him, which probably means he might not last the day. But this, of course, is going to be the latest example of somebody in the Trump administration who has been unable to work with the president. And this is big story number one. This, I think, is a big deal, not because I care about H.R. McMaster, but the bottom line is running – it's one thing to run, I don't know, a closely held family company – where you can, can get rid of people right and left, you know, willy-nilly. That's one thing. It's another thing to have this kind of chaos when it comes to running the country. Now, I don't know if this was a function of President Trump not being prepared to take office and making bad hiring decisions in the first place. But the fact that you're seeing people that are constantly being fired or leaving tells me that there's either, number one, a problem with the guy who can't work with him, or alternatively, bad decision-making in hiring people in the first place. And I think from the perspective of the country, the sooner the revolving door ends, the better. But don't be surprised if H.R. McMaster, the National Security Advisor, Don't be surprised if he's gone soon. When we come back in just a couple minutes, it now appears that most of the free world believes that Russia is starting to kill people who live in other countries. Should we just ignore this? Stick around. I'm Jeff Wagner coming up next. Two scoops might be fine at cops, not necessarily when it's taxpayer dollars. Stick around. It's 1234, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you spending your Friday afternoon with us. We are less than two weeks away from Insight 2018, and tickets are going fast. The event brings together newsmakers and notables sharing what's happening statewide in the heat of an election season. Reserve your tickets now for your chance to see Wisconsin VIPs like Governor Scott Walker Heading by heading to WTMJ.com. In addition, you can simply text me the word Insight. I-N-S-I-G-H-T to 414-799-1620 and we'll send you a link to the ticket. It's going to be a wonderful evening. I always enjoy doing this. All right. Two scoops, as a general rule, are better than one unless you're trying to lose weight if you go to cops. All right. No no question about that. But when it comes to taxpayer dollars, does the same thing apply? This is what the Journal Sentinel is reporting. There is a woman. Her name is Regina Howard, and she was a captain on the Milwaukee Police Force, right? She retired, what, about a year and a half ago and is currently collecting her pension, about $81,600 a year. So she's collecting her pension. That's fine. She's entitled to the pension. Sounds like she's got, I mean, that's a lot of dough. So she'll be in a position to have a you know nice nice retirement. All right. So why are we talking about this? Well, the job that she was doing when she worked for the police department, which was a police job, has apparently now been reclassified as a civilian job. So this woman retired collecting a big butt pension. All right. Big pension, $81,600 a year. She now wants to come out of retirement. And so she applies for this job, which has been reclassified from a, a sworn officer job to a civilian office, a civilian job. And she has now been hired by the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission to occupy this job. The job pays somewhere between eighty to one hundred and twelve thousand dollars annually. Don't know, at least the newspaper doesn't report what her salary is gonna be, but it's gonna be at least eighty grand and it could be up to one hundred and twelve thousand dollars. This is on top of the eighty one thousand dollars that she is going to be collecting as a pension as a retired police captain. So the effect of this has been all right. She retired from her job, she is collecting her full pension, and now she's back doing essentially you know a variation of the same job for eighty thousand to hundred and twelve thousand on top of that, meaning that all told she's going to be collecting well, again, somewhere figured out 160 170 upwards of close to over hundred ninety thousand dollars for doing the job. The mayor, now, the mayor is kind of namby-pamby about this, but he says he does not support bringing retired city employees back to fill similar jobs because of concerns about double dipping. And he said, "Yeah, know, we had this problem with Ed Flynn when he was the police chief. We apparently have it now again. All right, let's open up the phone lines. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunit mortgage talk and text line. Do you have a problem with double dipping? like this the rules apparently right now allow it you can collect your full pension retire as a city employee collect your full pension and then come back and essentially do the same job or a very close variation of that and get a full boat salary while collecting your pension 4147991620 that is the accurate mortgage talk and text line i think this is outrageous here, here here's the deal if the lady wants to come out of retirement and she's the best qualified person for the job okay fine I understand there's sometimes people retire and they decide that okay this isn't this isn't really what we want to do and you know we'll you know we're, we're really ready to work again and she wants to apply and she gets that job I don't have a problem with it but the idea that she is entitled to collect her full pension is after retiring and then essentially doing the same job, that is the problem. There should be a policy that says if you're going to go back and you're going to work for the city, your pension gets suspended. You should not be able to double dip. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, if she wants to go work for a different entity in retirement, that that's fine. You know, if if she wants to go get a job somewhere else, I don't have a beef with that. But in this particular case, she's doing essentially the same job for the same department. Now, I understand they reclassified the job from a sworn officer position to a civilian position, but it's the same job for all intents and purposes with the same agency, and that's where I think there's an issue. Let's start with Jerry in Germantown. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello.
5: Yeah, I think it's I think it's poor standards. I don't think she should have retired and now now she's getting paid two jobs and there's people that are looking for for jobs. You
0: know? Well, well, right now if if I guess my position would be if she wants to go back and continue to work for the city, fine, no 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 problem. And she's the most qualified. and She wants to put that in, that's fine. But I you don't get think back she on should. Payroll. Right, exactly. That's right. Yeah. You, then <laughs> then you suspend the pension payments. You know right. and that that's. That, to me, is how you do this instead of now shelling out twice because I mean, she's effectively going to be collecting, well, you know, not quite twice, but, you know, maybe potentially almost as much twice as much of a salary. Now, thanks to mm-hmm. that, that. See, to me, that that's what the key is. If And look, and I don't have a problem with retirees working i understand that is a common thing for example for public employees including you know, there's a lot of Milwaukee police officers who retire from the Milwaukee police force and then they're able to retire young enough that they go on for second careers or whatever and that's fine but but not with the same department in effectively the same job. And, yes, I understand it's been reclassified from sworn officer to civilian, but it's essentially the same job. Let's talk to Louie in northern Wisconsin. Louis, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
5: Hi, Jeff. Uh, I guess my I, I'm not against this, and the reason being is uh, the pensions earned, mm-hmm. she's entitled to that, and if it wasn't her that uh, took this position, it would be someone else. Either way, the same amount of money is being paid out. And, in fact, there's actually a bit of savings because she's not uh, receiving health benefits from the second position uh, where another employee would be.
0: But, of course, the the pension plans are all based and all the projections are on on people retiring. Um, In this particular case, she really hasn't retired. She's working at the same job.
5: Yeah, I get but I, there's no uh, disadvantage financially to the city in this position. So then, therefore,
6: I don't have a problem with it.
0: Well, I guess I mean thanks. See that I don't know that I buy that there's no financial loss to the the city because you know first of all they, they might have been able to hire somebody for you know less. Money And you're you're correct. She's getting the retirement benefits. But at the same time, if that's the case, then then why have retirement? Should we just simply say, okay, once you once you're eligible for your pension, you can collect your pension and you can continue to you can continue to work? I mean, I think the idea is you you want to candidly bring new people in. Um, I believe that this ends up being a windfall to the city employees, and it's it's not unique here. Like I say, if you want to work in retirement, fine, but I don't think you should be able to work for the place in essentially the same job you had before this. 414-799-1620. We continue the conversation next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1243. This is Jeff Wagner. 1247 Jeff Wagner WTMJ and I will tell you most economic studies on on double dipping say it costs taxpayers across different communities millions of dollars a year because these you know you have people who are taking pension payouts in this case the lady is taking an eighty one thousand dollar pension payout sooner than she ordinarily would if she was continuing to work for the city of Milwaukee. Um, But now she's collecting that pension earlier, so the pension fund has to pay it out, and at the same time, she's continuing to work for the city. Now, I understand the argument that Louis was making, was saying, well, but they don't have to pay in for a second pension. I will tell you, almost all of the studies on this double dipping practice, and this is not uncommon to Milwaukee. It happens all over. Talk about how this practice ends up costing taxpayers uh, again millions and millions of dollars across the year. The other thing I will tell you is is that I thought retirement was th- this idea that okay when when you're not able to work at the job anymore um, that that 's when you step down if If you can essentially retire, and then continue to do the same job, maybe that tells you that the retirement age is is too early. I'm just saying, and I'm not arguing, changing that. And this is, again, it's a common thing, particularly with law enforcement types. But the idea that you can retire, collect a full pension, and still work essentially in the same job, I think I just continue to believe that that's wrong. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Joseph in Oak Creek. Joseph, you're on WTMJ.
4: Hi. Um, my thought is, you know, it, I, I disagree with uh, double zipping, uh, But how do you define it? If you say, if that's a um, a payment that you get when you're on when you've left your job and unemployed, uh, what if she takes a job with uh, some private uh, company? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you extend it that far? No, I don't
0: have a problem with that. I think it's when you do. If she were working for a private company or actually even another government agency, let's say she goes out to Waukesha or whatever, I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with where you're doing essentially the same job for the same government agency you worked for. To me, that's what the double-dipping is because now you're paying her – the taxpayers of the city of Milwaukee, they're paying her her pension – at the same time, they're paying her for you know doing her regular job, and I mean I don't fault her. I understand why she's doing this. You know, if if you had a chance to suddenly double your income and do the same thing, I I get it. That's why people do it. Just why I don't think they should let them do it. So I, that's I, no. Would I would I if she worked for a, a different agency, so it wasn't so it wasn't the city of Milwaukee, uh, the the pension fund paying her her essentially the the same thing as her salary, I, I wouldn't have an issue with that. But I think it's double dipping when you, again, have the government employees who are doing the same job, working for the same government agency and collecting their pension at the same time. I mean, if, if it's not double dipping, then, again, why why even bother having retirement? Why don't we simply say for every police officer, when you hit 55, if you got your years of service in, you can retire and stay on the job? Now, that would quickly, I think, bankrupt the pension system. But, you know, why not? Why don't we just do that? Let's talk to Mike in Greenfield. Mike, you're on WTMJ.
6: Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, um, you know, I agree with you
5: 110% on this, and I don't know what can be done to reverse this, this trend, but if you think about the top, I don't remember the Tom Amon debacle uh, about that. That left the taxpayers holding uh, you know, the bag for generations, and now yep. you've got this. That's just like pouring more salt in the wound, and then you have on top of that, you know, list of dirty laundry, you've got all the lawsuits against the city. I mean the taxpayers are paying more money and getting less services because they're left holding the bank for this this whole
0: thing. Well well right and and this is going to be I mean thanks to call that's the bottom line. Again this is going to be this double dipping is is a net cost because the the way you know if you look at how pension systems are funded It's all based on, all right, how long are people going to work before they take retirement? And if all of a sudden people start retiring earlier – collecting their pension payments earlier, to which they're entitled to, but then working in the same job. And, and again, I, I understand that this went from a sworn position to a civilian position, but it's the same job. What you're going to do is you're going to have everybody start to collect their pensions earlier. There's going to be an increased pressure on that. And at the same time, you're going to be shelling it out. And, and like I say, if if you just if you do your research and you look and you say, OK, double dipping cost of you know government employees, what you're going to find is you're you're going to find in almost every community there's going to be estimates that are it, it costs an enormous amount of money. Now, the argument that's made sometimes is that there's nobody else that can do a particular job. You know that's why we had to hire Greg back. Because he retired, he's collecting his money, and, and he just has this knowledge. There's nobody else that can do the job that he's going to do. So we, we absolutely needed that. I don't get the idea that this is what they're saying. I think there's probably other people that applied. They preferred her because she had experience. She'd done the same job for for years. And I get all that, but it's not like it was this indispensable person. No question at all about that. All right, let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. It's 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1256, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hmm, interesting text on this. Agreed, they should not be able to double dip and pay. Once they retire and collect their full pension, they can take a different position or part-time. But taking the same position, getting the same pay is more than unfair for a lot of people out there who are then not given the chance to learn the job. For example, like me who wanted to make a career change but don't qualify because you don't have the experience, how does this work out? Kyle in Wauwatosa has an interesting theory. A pension was designed to be fixed income for those who paid their dues in the workplace, not a supplement to wages Um, so that people can get wealthier. And that's, again, that's the thing. And I understand for a lot of public employees, you don't like to hear this discussion, but I'm not saying take away the ability to retire early. I'm not saying take away the ability of people to have second careers. I do, however, firmly believe that if you're in a situation where you are collecting a full pension from a government entity You shouldn't be able to continue working, doing the same job, essentially, for that same government entity. Then you're not retired. Then you are just, then you're just working. So if you want to go back to work, that's fine. But I think at that point in time the pension payments should be suspended. So you want to continue to work, that's fine. You know, collect yourself. You're the best qualified. Collect eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollars, whatever the job pays. No problem with that. Not saying she shouldn't be able to work, but I don't think the pension system should be paying you, you know, eighty thousand dollars in this case on top of your salary. I think you should have to make a choice as to what you want to do. Do you want to stay retired? Do you want to collect the pension? Do you want to go work for some other government agency? Or do you want to go back to work? And if you want to go back to work, great. Go with God. Go back to work if they need you and you've got that skill. But you can't collect both. And to me, that's double dipping. Like I say, two scoops is great at COPS. I don't think it's fair for the taxpayers. And interestingly, this is one where you might want to mark the tape on it. I, I think... um Tom Barrett even <laughs> agrees with me on, on this, and it's an ongoing problem. The state, uh, doesn't allow this to happen anymore, but the city of Milwaukee apparently doesn't have a problem. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got a lot of stuff up. Big story number three. Russia is killing citizens in Great Britain. Should there be consequences for that? Um, Should Milwaukee police get an incentive not to retire? And what went wrong with Toys R Us? Remember, a lot of us grew up, we were Toys R Us kids. Now, not going to be any Toys R Us anytime soon. Stick around, that's all coming up. It's 1258. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Scott and Eric, you know they say deaths always come in threes? You know, it's well. I mean, just in the last two – okay, so yesterday you had former Milwaukee Co- County Board Chairman Lee Holloway mm-hmm. passed away. You had a long-serving state Supreme Court Justice, Bill Callow, great guy, just a great guy. He passed away, and I, maybe before your time, but uh, former Wisconsin Attorney General Bronson LaFollette, um, oh, sure. who served multiple multiple terms. Um, he was first elected, and this is the advantage kind of – of having a La Follette name, you know, in, in Wisconsin. But, I mean, he was first elected attorney general in 64, served two consecutive, back then the terms were two years, um, and then he was elected again in 76 and served three four-year terms. Um, so long-serving state attorney general. He just passed away at the age of 86. So that that's three. There you go. Where so, does he
5: fit in the La Follette tree? He's the the grandson, I want to say, Not sure. of Senator La Follette.
7: I think so. Bob
5: La Follette. And then also the sun. There's, there's two right. LaFollettes that were senators. I think he's the grandson and the son.
0: But respectfully, it, it, you know, it, it's interesting because he was, uh, you know, when I, I mean, I started practicing law in '82, and, um, you know, that was during that that period of time where it was the last two terms that he served as the attorney general. Uh, sort of, just, just an interesting thing. But again, it does always seem like it happens in three. And so, you had Lee Holloway and Bill Call- Justice Gallo and uh, Bronson LaFollette passed away at the age of 86. He he didn't hear much from him. He retired in in '86 and just sort of um, lived quietly in Madison. All right, this is big story number three, and it's an international story, but it isn't. Um, Russia, under Vladimir Putin, has been testing all sorts of of norms, Um, regardless of whether or not you believe that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia to try to affect the 2016 elections. Let's let's just put that question aside for a minute. There is no question at all that russia was messing with the 2016 election there, there's there's no question in, in my mind about that you had whether it was you know russian trolls over the internet that were trying to spread pop- propaganda or whether it was efforts that russia was undertaking to try to hack into the us electoral system that i, I think ultimately proved unsuccessful there's no question that russia was trying to mess around um, with the 2016 election, um, and other sort of cyber activity. Russia, and of course, Russia doesn't acknowledge any of this. I mean, Vladimir Putin just, uh, no, this did not happen. And for whatever reason, President Trump has perhaps not been as aggressive about this as many would like him to do. Uh, the other day, they announced that there were going to be, you know, uh, sanctions against um, various Russian entities for a wide range of, of behavior. But the question is, is any of that going to be effective? Now, what happened in Great Britain is even more troubling. Apparently, and this is, again, something that, you know, everybody pretty much agrees that Russia was responsible for. There is, there's a guy who was a Russian citizen who became a spy for Britain. And so he, he was a spy. He was caught by Russia. And ultimately, he was imprisoned. And then what happened is he was allowed to return to Britain a number of years ago as part of a spy swap. Okay, so that, that's the deal. The guy's a, a Russian, ex-Russian spy, spied against Russia. He's living in Great Britain. What apparently happened, and at least this is what all the intelligence suggests, is that a couple weeks ago, the guy and his daughter were, were taking a walk and they were apparently targeted and poisoned with nerve gas that could have only come from Russia. So they're, they're both of them are now in the hospital in critical condition, don't know if they're going to survive or, or not. But this was... That this was an attack and the Great Britain has come out and said this is this is Putin these are Russian agents they're the only ones that had access to this type of nerve gas and of course you know you, you haven't had nerve gas used um, you know you haven't had gas used since World War one and this you know violates every sort of convention uh, around But, you know, Britain says, look, we've got pretty much uncontroverted evidence. This had to have come from Russia. It was attack on this ex-spy and his daughter. And so now we have Russian agents who are using nerve gas to kill people who are living in this country. And, you know, Great Britain has gone ballistic on this. And you've got. Uh, Theresa May, who's the prime minister, who's expelling 23 Russian diplomats. Now you have other countries, including the United States, Germany as well, who are coming to the conclusion and the belief that, you know, we think that um, this did, in fact, it, it is the evidence is uncontrovertible that Russia was behind this for you know his part. Vladimir Putin says, no, nothing to see here. This is outrageous. How dare you accuse us? Gambling, gambling going on. I'm shocked to find that out. But I guess the consensus in, again, the West is that this this had to be an attack on foreign soil using nerve gas by Russia against, in this case, the, these two people. And so now a lot of the world is starting to kind of unite and say, okay, what are we going to do here? Great Britain has already expelled 23 Russian diplomats. They're prepared for Russia to retaliate and essentially sort of decimate the the British embassy out there. Over the last several years, you've had a number of Russian oligarchs through various countries who've been buying up all sorts of property in London, and one of the things that they're considering doing is – seizing the, these properties, but it, it looks like we're on the verge of this new Cold War. You know, the World Cup is supposed to be played in Moscow. One of the things that they're looking at is, uh, again, pulling the World Cup, or at least some teams boycotting the World Cup soccer um, football ter- uh, tournament in, in Moscow. All right, I want to open up the phone lines, and this is perhaps a broader question than I typically ask. 414 which is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Is Russia a threat? Is Russia a threat? You've had 2016, you've had the efforts um, to try to influence the American elections on a a wide scale basis. Uh, Again, whether it's the disinformation campaigns that was out there or the, the overt attempts at hacking. You now apparently have Russia actually using nerve gases, you know, these, these toxic substances to, to kill people on foreign soil. All four seven nine nine is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I, I just, I mean, I am hesitant given all the other hot spots that are in this world, but the reality is, at least in my opinion, Russia is not our friend. Russia is not a friend of the free world. Russia is not a friend of the West. And this increasing belligerence, I'll use that word, and that's probably, I mean, if it's true that, you know, you had Russian agents that used nerve gas, poison nerve gas to kill, you know, people in Great Britain. That's a big big deal. All right, 4147991620 is Russia really a threat or is this just all again, if you listen to Vladimir Putin, it's just unfounded allegations. 4147991620 we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 116 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's start with Russell in Brookfield. Russell, you're in WTMJ. Hello.
4: Good morning. Hi, Russell. Afternoon, sir.
0: Yes, sir. What do you think?
4: I think Russia is a huge threat. I think they cannot be trusted any further than you control them. I think Trump was right on the money when he said that those Russians are over there laughing their asses off at the U.S. for all the strife that, that we're in because of that supposed Russian influence on our election. And they are just laughing, laughing. They send them our movies and videos of the new plane that flies over mountains or their new this or their new that. They are just they're like the kids on the playground who say, "Oh, let's get a woman here. Let's tease him." Over well,
0: there. well. Also, I mean, thanks. But, but again, this is now. See, here's what I think is happening. I, I think you have. Vladimir Putin, who's with the latest Russian elections, uh, is it on Sunday or something like that? And he's going to win with like 100 percent of the vote because everybody who votes against him is probably going to end up in a gulag somewhere if they vote against him. But I mean, I mean, here's the deal. It's sort of like the playground bully. And I think he senses that there is discord in the West because, again, you've got. And, and I, I don't want to talk about tariffs or things like that, but you've got President Trump that is at odds with some of our traditional allies. You have, you know, in Germany, you have uh the the president who's in, in a weakened sort of situation. You've got, you know, Great Britain, which is not the power that it was in the past. And, and I think, you know, you have Vladimir Putin, who senses that this is the time to start pushing stuff because there's nobody out there that's going to push back against him. You're not going to have you don't have the, the Ronald Reagans who refer to this as the evil empire anymore. And I, I wonder if we are leading to a another Cold War here. But I mean I do think the reality is that Russia is Russia is a, a threat. Now how imminent that is, I, I guess people will have to say. But if it does turn out that you've got Russian agents that are, you know, using toxic nerve gas, nerve agents to kill People in in Great Britain—that's a big, big deal. Pete in Oshkosh. Pete, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
5: Yeah. Good morning, uh, Hi, uh, Pete. Thank you. Finally got on with you. Um, my only concern is rushing in the judgment. You know, let you know, let's get the evidence out front through mm-hmm. the UN. You know, and have a, a good discussion on that. But are we willing to risk potential nuclear confrontation over something like this that can be handled by simply, hey, let's talk to them? Because now we're killing diplomats, and it's, it, this is Cold War. Mm-hmm. This is dangerous since, you know, well, this could lead into, you know, Russian and U.S. forces in Syria engaging each other, right. and then it goes nuclear within minutes.
0: Do you, think, do you think Russia is a country that you can negotiate with?
5: We're going to have to try. I mean, mm-hmm. look at North Korea, we're, we're finally stepping You need to stand firm to them, yes, because they right. possess plenty of strategic nuclear weapons Right. To wipe humanity out. But you look at how Trump approached uh, North Korea, now he's coming to the table.
7: I, I hope we can do
5: that because, you know, unlike North Korea, Russia, you know, has economic ties around the world. They're, yeah. they're a bigger player than North
0: Korea. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, North Korea is a, is a, is a is a backward you know bedrock type of place you know I mean Russia it's a different sort of thing and I don't think anybody at least I certainly wouldn't be urging you know that that you immediately go to you know defcon type of three but I, I I am troubled by the fact that it, it's clear that Russia I think is becoming more aggressive and more bellicose and I think that they sense that there's I think they sense that there there's weakness in the west and they're trying to seize on it
5: and I think Trump responded with New appointments um, recently. That that's going to get a diplomatic push, saying, "Hey, we're going to be firm with Russia," but at the same time, that's not just unplug them. And because you, know, you you risk if you alienate Russia, now we're we're risking the whole you know monstrous type of vision that we saw back in the '60s.
0: Right. No. Th- thanks for calling I, again, and I and I I appreciate that. It's why it's it's a. It's such a sensitive topic. And, I mean, that's why, like yesterday, uh, the Trump administration, their, their sanctions were 24 Russian organizations and individuals for their interference in the presidential campaign and a series of, of cyber attacks. But I think, you know, it's I, – I guess I just don't think you can stick your head in the sand anymore and pretend that, you know, Russia – russia is not pushing the envelope when it comes to um when it comes to things and i think what's going on here is you you have you have a, a an iron willed dictator vladimir putin who senses weakness and he's pushing it let's talk to chuck in milwaukee chuck you're on wtmj hello hey jeff Hi, chuck. I,
4: we can't underestimate him i mean our biggest mistake would be to underestimate what he's doing if we do that We're we're going to be foolish. Um, He's trying all different things, all different angles, uh, to see how strong he is, and if he sees that he's strong enough, he's going to try to become the Russia of of the fifties and sixties. Yeah, we can't let this
5: happen,
0: right? And and, yeah, and and, I mean, and and part of it. This is why, again, I, I think putin is an opportunist um you you would not have seen a move like this um if you had uh, margaret thatcher and you had ronald reagan you wouldn't have seen a move like this but but now there's this sense of there's this sense of discord and that you have the west fighting again among its amongst itself and this perspective that we're we're weak and we're not willing to stand up and I, and i i think you know we're all tied in economically. There, there's no question about it. And that's where you, you get Russia to, to back down. But if it's if it's true that they're using nerve gas on people in other countries, um, that's a pretty darn scary thing, as is the cyber attack stuff.
4: Right. And we, one thing's clear. If economically we are so strong right now, uh, if there was a Cold War, we'd win just, just economically. That's how we defeated them the first time. Ronald Reagan... Uh, just kept building and building, and they saw they, they couldn't right.
0: win. Yeah, right. I, right. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, right. That, that's exactly right. Um, now, of course, it, it's a different time. You know, this isn't. You know, this isn't 1986 anymore. Um, the, the world has changed. There's no question about it. I, I guess I, I don't mean to push the panic button, but this this has been an issue that that's been kind of in the back burner for years and years. And when, when President Trump took over, I, I guess. My attitude was, as you know, Russia is one of the remaining superpowers in the world, as is the United States. And and I don't, obviously, you want to have, to the extent you possibly can, you want to have a good relationship with one of the other superpowers in the world. And again, the economics are, are tied in. At the same time, I think you have to recognize that, you know, Russia is a threat, And Russia is an emerging threat. And you have Russia, which is pushing an envelope in all sorts of ways. And, you know, we need to be willing to slap that down. 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 129, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Bob Eucher and the crew are back on the air this afternoon as the Brewers square off against the Cincinnati Reds. Pre-game coverage comes your way at 255, and you can hear it all right here on WTMJ. All right, the strange case of Amber Schmunk has now wound down. Amber Schmunk. Remember Amber Schmunk? Uh, Dan, Sh- uh, uh, um, you're you're just Eric Bilstadt. You're looking at me. Okay. You remember Amber Schmunk? <laughs> the name slightly rings a bell, but All I right. have no idea. Amber who, how, Schmunk was the mom of the year, oh, who was shopping in in Ozaukee County one day and decided that she wanted to purchase a plastic waiting pool. <laughs> the waiting pool. You can't make this stuff up. I I mean, if Martians landed and listened to this story, they'd fly away saying there's no intelligent life, um, you know, on this planet. Amber Schmunk was the, the mom who, 29 years old, of Grafton. She goes and she buys a wading pool, all right? So the wading pool doesn't fit in the minivan. So you've got a number of different things that you can do. You can have it delivered. You can... Wait till you know somebody else that's got a bigger car or a truck or whatever, and you go back and you pick it up from the store. I don't know. But what she decides to do is she decides to put it on the top of the minivan. All right. Well, apparently it doesn't fit well on the top of the minivan. So she tries to tie it down, and that doesn't work very well. So what she does is she takes her nine year old kid and puts the nine-year-old kid on top of the wading pool on the minivan and starts driving down the street. Let I me mean, just, you know, it's like, well, I, I mean, you know, he, he was kind of strapped in. All right, so, I mean, people see this minivan heading down the street with a wading pool and a kid on top of it, and they they correctly call the police. In any event, um, she was charged in Ozaki County um and to the credit um she was charged with second degree recklessly endangering safety for putting her 9 year old son on, <laughs> to hold down a a pool on the top of a minivan to the credit of the DA he didn't back down. He didn't plea bargain the thing away. He insisted on on her pleading guilty. And apparently she pled guilty yesterday in Ozaki County Court in front of Judge Sandy Williams, the former D.A. out there. Sentencing is set for April 26th. The D.A. is going to recommend three years of probation with parenting classes and other conditions. And, you know, I, I don't take any position on that. But they didn't give this case uh, away. And the parenting classes, maybe that should be a, a standard thing. You know, rule number one. Don't put your nine-year-old kid on the top of a minivan expecting him to hold down a wading pool. Just saying. But that's the case of Amber Schmunk. It now appears to be heading for resolution. Coming up next, I don't want to grow up. I was a Toys R Us kid. Stick around. 137 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. We're about a week and a half away from Insight 2018. Tickets are going fast. The event brings together newsmakers and notables sharing what's happening statewide in the heat of an election season. Reserve your tickets now for your chance to see Wisconsin VOP VIPs like Governor Scott Walker. We're going to have the two GOP Senate candidates. We're going to have a session with uh, Sauk County Circuit Judge Michael Skranek, who is the conservative candidate for the state Supreme Court. That election, and we're going to be talking a lot about that race over the next two-plus weeks, that comes up the Tuesday following Insight, which is March 28th at the Country Springs Hotel. Um, you can get your tickets now. Go to WTMJ.com or text the word INSIGHT to 414-799-1620. Everybody also asks me, is your wife going to be there? Of course she's going to be there. And she, I mean, that she, she's... A, well, Governor Walker is the biggest attraction, then the Attorney General, then the. But my wife is a pretty big attraction as well. So uh, check it out. We're going to have a great time at Insight. It is March twenty eighth at the Country Springs Hotel. Um, there are, and we talk about this on this program a lot. There are, there are businesses which you never thought would go away. They're just ingrained as part of our economy and our society. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you hear that business is going away. And sometimes it's local businesses. Sometimes it's local restaurants. Sometimes, you know, it's national stores. I mean, there was a time, and I understand I'm dating myself a little bit, but, you know, Sears was where America shopped. I mean, Sears was the the department store chain of choice for people, and now, you know, you've got Sears and Kmart, which are co-owned, and I, I think you can make a real strong argument that three or four years from now, there are not going to be any more Sears stores. And maybe there will be, but I think you can argue maybe not. You know, you're looking at uh, department stores, for example, I think there's questions about what's going to be going on with Boston Store, and what about JCPenney's, and all these different types of things, and there's a lot of reason this stuff happens well all right the news this week was that toys are us and of course toys R us you want to talk about an iconic american brand you don't want remember the sign you don't want to grow up you're a toys R us kid well okay all the people who grew up on toys R us toys R us is going away they have announced um toys are us this isn't just this store closing or that store closing all All stores, all Toys R Us stores are closing. Um, The company that owns them are planning to sell or close all stores in the U.S. They are going to be liquidating um, all the different stores and the different assets. If you have a gift card from Toys R Us, you better use it quick, with an emphasis on capital Q quick. Um, if you have stuff, merchandise that you need to return to Toys R Us, you, you, you better do it because, um, candidly, these these stores are probably going to be out of business um, extremely, extremely soon. Um, Toys R Us, again, an iconic American business. I, I just, I, I always think one of the one of the gifts we used to, to give to my nephew when he was younger, now he's 11, is we'd take him on like a shopping spree for his birthday or for Christmas. We'd give him a voucher, say, hey, we'll take you to Toys R Us, and you know, we'll let you, you, know, we'll let you buy some toys or things like that. So I can remember watching him go through these, these toy stores, this store that was just stacked with stuff. A lot of toy stores went under over the last couple of decades because they didn't appreciate the fact that, um, it, it wasn't just board games and soldiers and Tonka trucks anymore, but it was also electronics. But Toys R Us wasn't one of them. I mean, back in the eighties, they, they sold games, which allowed them to survive for longer periods of time. But ultimately, you know, time and tastes have caught up with them. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. What happened to Toys R Us? Is it simply, see, I I think, you know, I mean, obviously, one of the answers that comes to mind is, well, it's the internet, Um, more people, again, deciding, hey, you know, why go out to the store where we can just go shopping on the internet, and we can go to Amazon.com. And if we're a member of Amazon Prime, you know, a day or two now, from now, it's free shipping, and we've got the thing. So obviously, you know, Toys R Us was facing competition from the internet, as many stores are. I think... When you look at what happened to Toys R Us, it's more complicated than that. But, all right, Toys R Us going under what happened? Because my guess is there's a lot of us out there that really grew up being Toys R Us kids. 414 799 1620, that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. What happened? And is it a lesson that maybe other retailers need to learn? All right, we're back with your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 142. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Well, doesn't appear there's going to be any more generations of kids growing up as Toys Are Us kids. They're closing all their stores. Christine in Greenfield. Christine, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
8: Hi there. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm
0: well, thank you. What happened?
8: Good. Well, I think there's a multitude of things. I think it's definitely the internet, and I think it's also that little children aren't playing with toys as much because they're on the computer. But third of all, I do have a dear friend that works for Toys R Us. She has for 35 years, and the amount of theft uh, is unbelievable. And you can't tell me that that doesn't cut into profits. She says that they didn't want to spend the money on a security guard, so these people would literally load up their carts, their Mm -hmm. jackets, and walk out with merchandise.
0: Well, you know, that's, that's a problem. Also, a number of retail stores have, I have friends who work in different places who talk about the problems you have with theft and shoplifting, and they're essentially told, don't say anything. We're not going to call the police because we don't want the word to get out that there's a lot of crime, you know, going on at this store. So we're just going to ignore it and we're going to eat the cost. Well, at some point in time, that, that really starts to hurt you.
8: Definitely, and I think obviously they don't want their employees to get hurt either by stopping somebody. But you know, ultimately, um, you tell your friends, "Hey, you can go to this store and you can walk out with a whole cart full of stuff for your kids." And right. Word gets around to all their friends, and you know, when you're working for a store and you're watching merchandise go out the door and watching your paycheck not roll, it can
0: it can get to you. So, Christine, were you a Toys R Us kid? Of course I was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, no, I mean thanks. No, I mean I. I mean I. I remember. I mean, gosh, I remember when my my nephew was. Gosh, this would have been like four years old. I can remember going out there and we wanted to buy him one of these like battery powered like cars that he could drive around in. And I remember buying it and then you know, they 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 assembled it because trust me. He, he would have been 11 by the time I got it assembled, but they did it in an hour. I used to love, I, I used to just love going up and down Toys R Us. And, and when we take Alex on, on these shopping sprees, it would be kind of cool because I used to love going through the board game things and say, Oh, I haven't seen this board game in years and years and years. And I mean, to give Toys R Us it, its due, I mean, you think about some of the, the big toy outlets that there were over the years KB Toys, um, FAO Schwartz. Toys R Us outlasted all of those, but ultimately couldn't make it. Let's talk to Mark in Milwaukee. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
3: Hi, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: Real well, thank you. Were you a Toys R Us kid?
3: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I I think it's still fun to go through there and look at the new toys. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I take a different view at Toys R Us a little bit than the other big box stores that have had trouble. Um, In my opinion, I think they've been poorly managed for years. And it just doesn't seem like they've been putting any money back into the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the stores are, are seem run down. They always seem a little dirty. Yep. Um, I just think the, the they're they're very high priced. If you go to the Walmart toy section compared to Toys R Us, you, you save money, and they have a nice variety at Walmart too. Well,
0: Target too. Wow. I mean, you know, Target yeah, yeah. Target too. Well, you know, when's at,
3: the last time you saw a Toys R Us commercial? I, I haven't seen one in ages.
0: Yeah, you know, well, you know, you kind of are. You're on to something, Mark. And I don't. And I don't know if you know it or not, but back in 2005, so 10 or 11 years ago, um, the owners of Toys R Us sold to one of these like leveraged buyout groups. You know, these financial folks who their idea is to come in, they buy places. Um, they borrow money to buy businesses, and then the idea is we're going to turn it around, we're going to make it leaner or meaner, and we're going to sell it for a profit. That happened to Toys R Us in 2005, and what happened is the, these these people that did it, they were never able to turn it around. So, I mean, I, I think you're really on to something. See, what I think was happening is they were siphoning off a lot of the money that Toys R Us was making and using it to pay, like, interest payments on the debt and stuff instead of putting it back into the store. Because I noticed the same thing that you did a lot, you know, the, the Toys R Us stores that I used to go to, run down was a good word for it. I mean, it just didn't look like the yep. things had been freshened in the last ten years.
3: Right. I always thought, why isn't there a nice new, brand new Toys R Us somewhere? You know, I was very surprised. I mean, this, these are the same stores that I went to when I was a kid, thirty-five
0: years ago. Yeah, right. You know? And it looked like the carpet, and it looked like the carpet hadn't been changed in thirty-five years.
3: Exactly. <laughs> no, no. Exactly. Thank
0: no. See, Mark. I mean, I, I think you are. I mean, that's. That, that's one of the things. Look, th- there's all sorts of pressures that are going on here, but it, it's, in the case of Toys R Us, I don't think it's fair to just say, "Okay, it's the internet." Now, obviously, the internet is hurting all sorts of brick and mortar retailers, and, and that's not a helpful thing. But I think it was other stuff as well, and that's that's why I was kind of poking around on this. And again, this was one of these things. You know, they call them leveraged buyouts, where you have the again, you have the the sharks that come in. They buy the place with the idea that here, you know, we're gonna we're turnaround specialists. We're gonna we're gonna get rid of people. We're gonna streamline stuff and then we're going to sell it and make a profit well but to do that a lot of times they borrow a whole bunch of money and what happens is you know the money that they're making out of the store instead of getting put back into the stores it goes to make interest payments and the stores deteriorate and i think that's one of the untold stories of toys are us chris and slinger chris you're on wtmj good afternoon
6: good afternoon thanks for taking my call sure. uh previous callers have really good points as to why i close um, i'm not so sure as to why um, after Christmas each year growing up, my dad would take my brother and I to the one in Rockford, Illinois. So any Christmas money we had amassed, we could go down and buy something. And oh, my gosh, was that exciting. Oh, yeah. wasn't it So exciting. And what I don't get is in the day of the Internet, there's nothing exciting for a kid to look at a toy on Amazon or anything. They're missing out on that experience. So Toys R Us may have been properly or improperly ran, but I would argue a good toy store could still exist because it's it's like an event. You know, kids totally look forward to going and spending an hour at a toy store with as much selection as Toys R Us. I mean, that was amazing for a kid. You know, so I'm, I'm really surprised that the internet just is the only thing.
0: Yeah, you know, it's um, if I of course, I mean, I don't I don't play. I, I have no idea what it takes to run a toy store, but you know, one of the things that. I think that they could have done if I were Toys R Us, I would have expanded into like the kids birthday party thing or stuff. You know, like like setting aside areas to have kids birthday parties. I mean, you want to talk about a captive audience. You know, people could come, they could buy oh. the toys and then they could, you know, and then you could yeah. just deliver. I mean, it's something to get kids in and and, and do that just changing the business model a little bit. And I, I and it's just it just I guess it's just that it's a damn shame that these stores are closing because that yeah. was such a part of our life.
6: There's a way to do it right, I think, and they just didn't quite have it figured out anymore.
0: Right. No, thanks. Right, exactly. And, again, I—it's part of it is, I, I think, in some respects beyond their control. Like I say, everything I'm told, the, these these people that bought, bought the company in 2005 didn't want to run a toy store. What they wanted to do was try to figure out a way to kind of turn it around and then sell it. They borrowed all this money. And, of course, remember what was going on in 2005. That was sort of the start of the economic downturn. So you buy a place at the wrong time. The economy starting to decline. You've got high interest payments, uh, all sorts of things going on. But it's just – it's – it's just, I guess it's a shame. It's another one of these iconic brands, and, and you see this all the time. And, again, I, I come back to this because I, I understand we take things for granted, and you think, well, you know, we grew up, we were a generation of Toys R Us kids. This stuff is always going to be there. Well, it's not always going to be there, and businesses are fragile. And I think sometimes people need to remember when you say, oh, well, you know, what what, what the heck? You know, we can have this tax policy, or we can do that, and these are big companies, and they'll survive. Not necessarily. 154, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is WTMJ and W277-CV, Milwaukee. 157, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So yesterday, Eric Holder, um, the former Attorney General of the United States, and somebody I've described repeatedly as, in my opinion, the worst unindicted Attorney General in the history of this country, turned up uh parachuted into Wisconsin he was in Milwaukee and Madison campaigning for liberal activist judge Rebecca Dallet she is the liberal activist who wants to be on the Wisconsin Supreme Court um, the election is in a couple weeks she is being challenged by Sauk County judge Michael Scranick um who is the conservative candidate uh Holder was encouraging liberals to go out to vote for Rebecca Dallet. Um, Rebecca Dallet of course I, I think has already decided to move very very far in the left pledging to be an activist um, she's talking about how you know she's got I think some kind of whacked out views with regard to gun rights um, I think she said stuff which makes her anti-business she's clearly thinking that okay in a year where people might be disillusioned with conservatives because of President Trump or whatever I'm going to be able to capitalize and I'm going to be able to sneak in and take this seat. Um I, I just it is a cautionary tale. Yesterday there was a liberal judge in California, a federal judge appointed by Bill Clinton, who struck down a twenty year old law that Los Angeles used to try to stop gang activity. And it was very, very successful. They would go in and they would get injunctions, essentially preventing gang members from associating with each other. And everybody, I think, acknowledges that these these injunctions ended up stopping violence, at least reducing violence in Los Angeles. Very liberal judge appointed by Bill Clinton took this 20-year-old law yesterday and found threw it out, found it unconstitutional. And now, I mean, it's going to be appealed, and she's probably going to be overruled. But this shows the power that happens when you let liberal judges get into positions of authority. And that's something to remember if you consider voting for Rebecca Dallet. In my opinion, uh, Judge Mike Scranick, who's going to be joining me at Insight um, in a week and a half, clearly the superior, the law and order choice in this race. It's 159. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. O.J. Simpson. All right, O.J. Simpson doing an interview... Let's see, with a newspaper in Las Vegas, as reported by ESPN. O.J. Simpson, I have days I can't find words. In his first extensive interview since being released from prison in October, Pro Football Hall of Fame running back O.J. Simpson told the Buffalo News this week that he is worried he has degenerative brain disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, um, CTE. I get concerned, Simpson told the newspaper from his home in Las Vegas. Oh, sorry, it was the Buffalo newspaper, but he's in Las Vegas. I get concerned, Simpson told the newspaper from his home in Las Vegas. I do recognize that it probably affects you in short-term memory more than long-term. I know with me, I have days I can't find words. I literally cannot find words or the name of somebody I know. It gets a little scary. Those days do happen when I'm tired. Okay, well, so O.J. Simpson can't find the words. I know three words that O.J. Simpson hasn't been able to find for a long time, what would those three words be? I am guilty. O.J. Simpson says, well, I might have CTE. Um, I am very sympathetic to a number of the former football players who sustained the traumatic brain injury and now have the degenerative brain disease. Um, O.J. Simpson, sorry, pal. Anything that happens to you in this world, I guess I, I figure... You know, you you've kind of brought it on it yourself, and karma can be a you know what. All right. Um, earlier this week, we talked about the story of the 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 woman who got on board the United airplane flight, and and she had a, a dog. In one of those little soft-sided carry-on things, she was there with her two kids, and the United flight attendant told her to put the dog in the overhead bin. Now, the flight attendant's story is she didn't realize that this thing that was barking and squirming around was a dog, but um, the lady follows suit puts the dog in the overhead bin, the dog suffocates, United accepting responsibility for this. That was followed by the story um, a day or two later about how United Airlines apparently took a dog that was supposed to be, I don't know, delivered somewhere in the United States and got the dog mixed up and and ended up sending the the dog to Japan. Now, how you can make that mistake, I don't know. But there's no question that um, airlines... Handle more pets now. Um, interestingly, um, United. Apparently has been carrying a growing share of pets transported in the cargo hold. Um, they estimate about 138,000, um, last year. That's up 42% since 2015. So, um, you know, the, the number of animals, at least on United has been, you know, increasing quite a bit. They estimate in 2017, 1.3 out of every 10,000 animals, uh, that United transported in cargo holds died. 1.3 out of every 10,000. Huh. I'm not sure I like those odds at, at all. Um, United says, well, it's not necessarily us doing anything wrong. Sometimes the dogs are sick or the animals are sick or, or whatever. And more and more people are, are making the decisions that rather than transporting their dogs, their pets, in the cargo holds, What they want to do, particularly if they've got smaller animals, is they want to take them with them, put them in the cabins. This causes a bit of controversy because there are people that have pet allergies, there are people who just are afraid of of dogs. Doesn't matter whether it's a big dog or a small dog. They're afraid of dogs. There's also people who are just you know if the dog's going to bark or something. I I don't want to be on a three hour flight to Las Vegas for somebody who's got a dog that might be barking or something like that. And so this is the battle that erupts. It's between you know people who want to transport their pets, um, but are reluctant to put their pets in the cargo hold versus the people who don't want to be around pets at all. All right, let us for the moment, and for the sake of what I want to talk to you about, let's let's forget about the, um, the the dogs that are, of course, required to under the Americans with Disability Act. Let's forget about the seeing eye dogs, and let's let's put the emotional support animals aside for a minute as well. I want to talk about the practice. Of putting pets in the passenger cabins of planes, should airlines and the way United Airlines works, it for example is again putting aside emotional support animals and and other sorts of uh, and, and other sorts of animals that the law might require you to travel. You know, for 125 bucks, you are allowed to take your pet with you as long as your pet you know fits in a container that can be put under the seat. All right. 125 bucks, you can take your pet with you. 414-799-1620. That is the ACUNET mortgage talk and text line. Is that fair to other air travelers? Should pets be allowed to be transported in the passenger sections of planes? Or if the plane, if the pet is going to be transported, should it have to be put in the cargo hold or somewhere else? Four one four, or make some other arrangements to get the pet where you're going. 414-799-1620, that is the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. You get on a plane, lady behind you's got a small pet. Um, Does that bother you? Should people be allowed to do this? 414-799-1620, that's the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. Should airlines stop allowing animals in the cabin of airplanes during flights? What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. I'll tell you where I come down on this in a minute, too. It's two fifteen. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Stick around. <laughs> 218 Jeff Wagner WTMJ. All right. Uh, let's see our text line. My wife has a very, very serious allergies to cats that will trigger her severe a- asthma. If she was ever on a plane with a cat, um, it physically could simply not happen for her um all right michelle sends a text cargo hold only i don't want to hear or smell a cat or a dog what about those of us with allergies where are our rights all right 414-799-1620 arthur texts: no pets in the passenger cabin what happens if nature calls we get that smell that wonderfulness for three and a half hours well i would assume in that case you kind of I don't know. You take out the little doggy bag, you clean it up, you give it to the flight attendant, and then they throw it away. 414 799 1620. All right. Should you allow, should pets be allowed in the car, in the cabins of airplanes? Margie in Lake Geneva. Margie, you're on WTMJ.
1: Hi, Jeff, and thanks for your OJ comment. Oh, I think he's just looking for attention.
0: Yeah, I, look, I, look. I'm sorry about football players that have CTE, but OJ yeah, I Simpson. Have
7: great
1: yeah. empathy for them. yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the animals in the um, in the passenger compartment, I don't think that any other than service dogs should be allowed, and even service dogs, I think that's a kind of a quote unquote gray area because mm-hmm. I know people that have had anxiety anxiety right. dogs that were not. Certified right. as companion, as service dogs. Right. You've got
0: service dogs, here. you've got the emotional support I, dogs. Right. I agree, right. agree yeah.
1: with that. But here's the issue. Number one, for these people that had their dog, um, what was their responsibility? When I, once I, um, that plane takes off, I understand you can't have things around your feet, but they should have checked on that dog after they reached cruising altitude. You're allowed to check on your luggage oh. when you're going there, so you should be checking on your pet. But, uh, that aside, there was recently another person that had gotten bitten by a service dog, which was maybe not even a service dog. Mm-hmm. People with allergies, where are their rights? And it's just not the right place for a, for a companion
0: okay, okay. It, it, thanks thanks for call Margie. I appreciate you I mean this Well, I, I will tell you, and this comes from my perspective. I think if you're a regular listener, you know I have a um I have a little pomeranian um five a little bit over five pounds, and I will tell you if I was on that plane and I had a flight attendant that told me you need to put her in the overhead bin, that would not have been happening. It would have just not happened and if they told me you're going to get removed from the flight okay fine, that's where I'm arguing, and maybe I'm leaving that flight, and maybe you see my name in the front page of the paper, you know, with handcuffs on my wrist. But there would be no way in hell as a dog owner that I would be allowing my dog to be put in that overhead cargo bin and suffocate, you know, where there's no airflow at all in the first place. Um, and, and and if it would, then obviously I would have checked on her. But, I mean, I think United Airlines is acknowledging that that their flight attendant did not follow their protocol, but I guess my question is this larger one: um, as more and more people travel with their pets, should it should it be cargo hold only? Um, let's see. I have another text here. What about people who are very allergic to pets? Are pets now more important than people? This is ridiculous. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Roger in Shorewood. Roger, good afternoon.
5: Hi. Hi, um, Roger. Hello. Um, I think that the airlines should offer. Pet friendly flights and non pet friendly flights, and in the non pet friendly flights, it would be cargo hold only.
0: You know, Roger, I think you are onto something. Because um, let me just just say this: I my my dog. I, I have not put her on an airplane yet. She's not going in a cargo hold. I, that that's just not. That's not the case. She's not going to go in a cargo hold. I'm not going to do it. But at the same time, I appreciate that there might be people who are allergic and things like that. See, I think that you're on to something. I am willing to pay extra to fly with my dog. And if, if you want to, just like you have... You know, um, not just like you have at baseball stadiums where you have you know family friendly zones with no alcohol. Just like you have all these areas that are non smoking. I agree with you. To me, it's a marketing sort of thing. If the airlines, if there's enough demand about this, offer pet friendly flights, offer non pet friendly flights, and then you you solve the whole problem. Bingo. Yeah. I, right. I mean, thank, thanks. I mean, I because look, I, I as a responsible pet owner. I I get it. I mean, I understand. um, Okay, so maybe you've got somebody who's terrified of of dogs, or maybe you've got somebody who's allergic. I get all that. And, I mean, I think they have rights to travel as well. At the same time, though, I I think – Pet I think, first of all, the airline has a right to make that decision. I mean, just like an airline has a right to say, okay, we're going to be peanut-free, for example, or not. I mean, I think the airline has a right to say, well, okay, there is a marketplace of people who either, number one, don't care if they're traveling with a pet, or number two, um, there's a lot of people who want to travel with pets, so this would be an appeal. I I think that's a business type of decision. And and maybe I, I think the answer... Because for most people, you either want to travel with the pet or it's not a big deal. You would have some of like the pet-free flights. To me, that's the answer to the whole thing. Do I support a notion that said that people can't bring pets onto the plane? No, I I would. I think it's fair to ask people to pay more um, and have those different rules. But the way you balance this out is by, again, letting the market take over. And if there's enough demand out there, well, I think it's pretty simple. Then you're going to have the pet-free flights. Let's talk to Debbie in Beaver Dam. Debbie, hello.
2: Good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? I agree with you. Pets on an aircraft, not a problem. You know, most pets are better behaved than most children on aircraft. <laughs> yeah. You know, um,
0: <laughs> right, right. The, I, the, the, you're right. The dog isn't going to be kicking <laughs> your seat for two and a half hours like the kid behind you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: exactly. Again, you know, I, there's, I have, I have allergies, and there's people who wear a lot of perfume. Yeah, trigger my my allergies, you know. But because I'm traveling, I try to take precautionary measures, you know, in in case you encounter something like this. But touch touch on the aircraft, you bet. Mm. In a heartbeat.
0: Would you? I, I mean, I, I just and again, if if you couldn't, my dog has never flown with me. But there's going to be a time. I mean, if if we end up. You know, buying a place in Florida or something. I, I doubt I'm going to be driving back and forth all the time. There's going to be a there's going to be a time and a place where I'm going to have to wrestle with this. I know. Um, I mean, but I I, I could never. Put, I would never put my dog in a cargo hold. I guess. I would. Would you?
2: No, never. Yeah. And I have flown. I used to work for an airline. Okay. And I would take my pet with me whenever I, possible. Would I put my pet in? There? I wouldn't put my husband in there. <laughs> 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 Sorry, no. Uh, no, there is as long as the dog is, is you know, in a container or in a cage, or if it's a service dog sitting next to you, uh, people respect the fact that you have a service dog, leave them alone while they're doing their job. And the pets and the little carriers, they're fine. They right. don't want to be separated from their mom and dad any more than a child.
0: Yeah, I just, yeah, th- th- thanks. And again, and I appreciate that pets aren't children. I'm going to get some emails. Are you equating a dog to a Child, I, I understand it's all a difference. To me, this is a market thing, though. It's, it's again, it's a, it's a free market decision. I am sensitive to the argument about allergies and whatever. But, you know, Debbie, you make an interesting point. I mean, you know, what, what about the kid that's going to be, oh, gosh, one of the last flights I was on, there was this kid who was sick. And I, I'm just, the kid is behind me, and I'm just listen It was a little girl. And she's coughing and coughing and sneezing and um, not doing the best job of covering her nose or mouth. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, everybody within eight rows of this kid is going to get sick. And at least I know four days later when I came down with my cold, I knew exactly where it was coming from. Um, at least the dogs aren't going to get you sick. It's 226. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, unless you are highly allergic. Stick around. <laughs> It's 228. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, doing something a little bit different this afternoon. Um, The final segment of the program on Fridays is always Pop Culture Corner. We're going to do that, an abbreviated edition of Pop Culture Corner this week because we've got Brewers Baseball. um, I think 255 is when actually they they take it over um, out in Arizona. So a little bit shorter show today. And also what we've been doing for a long time now is we've been broadcasting this on our, our Facebook Live page. Well, so you get to see what everybody looks like in the studio, and I happen to, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, be wearing my green Jimmy Buffett sweatshirt today. That's that's it. It's, it's the, my, my my mom was all Irish, so every St. Patrick's Day, got to have a wee dram of the, the Jamesons, and I intend to do that, maybe even starting this evening. But I'm wearing my green sweatshirt today, so you can see what we look like in the studio. But... But we're doing something a little bit differently today. Yes, we are broadcasting this, but we're doing it on our studio cam. If you go to WTMJ.com slash studio cam, WTMJ.com is so our website. You can do the same place you check out the podcasts, the shows and all that. WTMJ.com slash studio cam. You will see what we look like and you can participate in Pop Culture Corner I will give you the topic in just a moment, but, hey, it, its I'll give you a hint. It's sports-related. You've got the NCAA tournament going on, but uh, it's not necessarily. It doesn't have to do specifically with the tournament, but it's sports-related. We're going to have a lot of fun with this, and you can check it out, WTMG.com slash cam. Pop Culture Corner is coming right up. It's 233. This is Jeff Wagner. <laughs> 235, Jeff Wacker. WTMJ. Okay, it's that time of the week. We put aside the political talk and the heavy lifting about crime and things like that. And we have a little bit of fun going into the good weekend. I call this segment Pop Culture Corner. Once again, we are, we are up. On, if you go to WTMJ.com slash studio cam. You can. This week, we're doing it this way, and you can see how we all look, or at least see how I look. I'm wearing my green Jimmy Buffett shirt in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Here's Pop Culture Corner this week. Look, I understand over the last two days, there's been, well, I think a decline in productivity in American offices. Why? Because everybody's focusing on their brackets and the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is something that people look forward to every year. It's actually one of these events that you don't really even have to know anything about college basketball to, you know, be into it. You pick out the brackets, you say, hey, I I love this team. I I went to Loyola. I'm going to pull for Loyola, Loyola. And, and it's fun. As I have said before, if you're ever looking for a week to go to Las Vegas, for people who are interested in that thing, this is the week to be there um, because the, the, the sports books, because Las Vegas is a place where, hope you're sitting down, but did you know you can actually bet on the outcomes of games? I, I mean, I know it, it, it's actually mind-blowing. And what was so fun about being in Las Vegas on the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament is because you have all these 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 mismatches. I understand there's always some upsets, but maybe you've got a game where Duke is favored by 28 points over the little sisters of the poor, and you know normally the game is over you know by by halftime. But what happens is because you have the the spread, the point spread that's there, you know people pay attention. So it's one of these deals where if the spread is 28 points, and what you have is some player from the little sisters of the poor that throws in an uncontested layup with a second left so duke only wins by 27 well duke is won, fans are happy but if you bet on duke you lose it's just incredible to be in the sports book so it's a lot of fun just to watch people react so i know that people love the ncaa basketball tournament for a lot of reasons here's what i want to talk about though and our number this is pop culture corner what is the one sporting event each year that you look forward to the most. Is it the World Series? Is it the Super Bowl? Is it the NCAA tournament, you know, the, the first day? Is it the Indy 500? Is it the Masters Golf Tournament? But for everybody, I, I know if you're a sports fan, either casual or fanatic, there's there is an event that you look forward to. It's, boy, I can't wait for The Masters to roll around. I can't wait for this, that, or the other. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Some people would argue that it's going to be, uh, again, the NCAA basketball tournament. And if that's how you feel, that's fine. But, all right, there's nothing more of a part of pop culture than um, sports. What is the sporting event that you look forward to most Every year. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And as I always advise people, um, call early because their phone lines do tend to jam up. And like I say, an abbreviated, we got to be out a little bit earlier today. So I want to try to get to as many calls as we possibly can. NCAA tournament or something else. I'll tell you where I come down in just a minute as well. Okay, let me give my producer an opportunity to line up the calls. If you're on the line, please hold on 414-799-1620, the sporting event that you look forward to most every year. We're going to have some fun with this. Stick around. It's 239. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah. 243 Jeff Wagner WTMJ you can see this uh, go to WTMJ.com slash studio cam we are broadcasting this It's pop culture corner NCAA basketball tournament is going on now but I thought it'd be fun what is the one sporting event that you look forward to every year John and Sheboygan John you're on WTMJ hello
4: hey Jeff the only sporting event that really still matters come on WrestleMania I look forward to it every year is
0: that this weekend
4: no not yet it's, it's another week
0: okay two weeks right right, <laughs> yeah. right well i get john look i i get it now now some of us kind of have outgrown that but i remember when wrestlemania was a big deal Four one four seven nine nine. and i guess it still is a big deal you know wherever they do it Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line the one sporting event that you look forward to every year david in milwaukee david you're on wtmj hello Hi. Hi, David.
4: Uh, It's got to be the NCAA. I don't watch college football or college basketball all the time. Right. But I I follow the, you know, I'm a homer. But when it comes down to the finals, you know, the 64, uh, the people I know and my wife, who is a huge basketball fan, everybody's talking about this. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like... All right, this is where, okay, so-and-so says this, so-and-so says that, and like I said, the people that i work worked with, you know, they've all got their opinions. This is just a blast. And for once, I will stay up late, past my bedtime, to watch these. Just so I can tell somebody I
0: work with, yeah. you were wrong. Well, or 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 you were right. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is one of those kind of fun things, and because of the brackets and all, everybody has a little bit of a vested interest in it. I mean, normally, who cares if Rhode Island beats Oklahoma or whatever? But if you pick Rhode Island, you care. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, you right. do. And and the thing is, you know, you always, I always quote call- kind of an underdog team, but it, it's it's just fun to just it, it, watch this whole thing play well, out.
0: Well, it is, David. And like I say, seriously, if you, I'm, I'm not encouraging people to gamble or anything like that, but if you were ever looking for, if you were ever wondering what's a fun time to go to Las Vegas, again, this is the week to do it because people just go nuts in the sports books and all, again, because it's not so much just the outcome of the game, but it's is the team going to cover or whatever. four one four Let's talk to Mike Bayview, mike you're on wtmj hello hi jeff okay
6: um, I, I, my favorite time is i think is a baseball yeah. season because that means we we made it through the winter and we're we're on our way to summer and i just get a, i just get a great feeling about that you know i, I really do
0: i you know mike I, if, if i had to you know if if i had to pick one event and i'm a big sports fan that that would be it for me it's it's particularly Brewer's Opening Day. It's You're right. It's kind of like, all right, we've made it through the long winter. The team, you know, who knows? Everybody's even. You know, spirits are high. The grass is green. It's just I love everything about Opening Day, and I have since I was a kid.
6: And I'll tell you, because of, you know, what the what the Brewers have done this year with their trades and everything else, it's even more exciting this year. I don't know. It just, right. I think there's a different feeling in the air and everything about the Brewers'
0: Oh, oh no! I, absolutely. I mean, thanks. I mean, I I'm excited about that season. But you know, even in years where you think it's going to be kind of a down year, I, I'm still excited about opening day. I mean, I'm if if you get a chance to listen to our opening day broadcast, I mean, I do interviews from the dugout. I am like a kid in a candy store. And look, and I'm I'm not a sports guy. I'm just you know that. But I I love. That opportunity to do that type of stuff. And it's so exciting. And it's spring is here. And, you know, you don't even have to be a baseball fan to get into opening day, just like you don't even have to be a college basketball fan to enjoy the NCAA tournament. So if I had to pick one, it would be Brewers opening day, which isn't to say that there's not a lot of other good stuff around. Nicholas in Green Bay. Nicholas, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Nicholas. Thanks for my call. Yes, How sir. Are you doing? I'm good. What's yours?
6: Uh, I would have to say mine would have to be the Kentucky Derby. Uh huh. And uh, I say that because it's kind of like the epitome of men and women's fashion hats, (laughs) your uh, mid-julep and Woodland Reserve. Right. It's just just kind of a a
0: good time. Have you you ever been to Churchill Downs for that? Have you ever been there?
6: No, no. I'm actually considering going this. uh,
0: Nicholas, you uh, should. everybody, Everybody should do that. Everybody should go to the Indy 500 once. Everybody should go to the Kentucky Derby at least once, you know. I mean, it's just because it's it, it's just such an experience, you know, to, to be in those crowds and stuff. I, I went once, and in all honesty, once is probably enough because it's just so packed and all. But it's cool. It's fun to be part of that vibe, um, and it, it's a great event. So thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Jack in Wauwatosa. Jack, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
5: Jeff, I look forward to Wimbledon because mm-hmm. – it's a time to put up my feet, watch some athletes uh, really stress themselves and um, put out the, the physical exertion, and I get to sit and watch it and have iced tea or something stronger. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, are, now, and are, are you a, a are you a ten-
0: are you a tennis fan in general? You know,
5: I, I'm aging. I <laughs> <laughs> um, I've only been watching tennis for about twelve years, but I'm starting to enjoy golf, and I used to. I think it was like watching the grass mm-hmm. grow, mm-hmm. but you know the the tension of the um, the accuracy and you know oh yeah, will go in, will go in. I I've just
0: how good they are. No, I, I I'm yeah. with you. No, I mean and, and see, golf is the same way. I, I mean that's there, there was a reason why you know when it comes to golf, I love the Masters and I love the U.S. Open. I, I mean, I I just do. I just. For both of them, I look forward to it. So those are other like events that I pay attention to. And oh, this is U.S. Open week. That's great. Or this is the Masters week. You know, because it's spring coming on. Let's talk to um, Dan in Kenosha. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
4: Good afternoon, Jeff. What's your My my pick? Would be
5: the NCAA first round.
0: Really? Okay, tell me why.
5: Hands down. If you're a sports fan or not, people all over the country coming. From all over the place in the sports book, drinking betting—it's (laughs) the
3: best feeling ever.
0: Well, and there's so much stuff going on. You've got all these games that are going on. It's it's almost overwhelming. There's so much stuff.
3: Tons,
4: tons of fun. Yeah, I was there. I was there a couple years ago. It was on my bucket list.
0: Hands down, by far, <laughs> yeah. no matter what. Yeah, you no, thank, no it, it is. It is just a blast. It's just. I mean, it, it is. It's almost like it's overload. Last night I was kind of sitting at home, and I'm just there's, there's all the different channels, and and now of course you've got you can watch any of the games you want because they're spread out on all of the different platforms. How cool was that, Dave and Racine? Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon. Uh, how about opening day of deer season?
0: Oh. Um, a, 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 certainly a tradition, 600,000-plus people around here every year look forward to that.
6: Not just that, it's the, uh, all the peripheral items, not just the hunt, but you know the camaraderie of the deer camp, the seeing of various other things in nature from you know the flora and fauna, I mean, you know, that you see. Even if you're hunting in parts of uh, or the northern part of the state, seeing the uh, yeah. B-52s from K.I. Sawyer, Refueling.
0: Uh, it's absolutely, Dave, thanks for the call. It's absolutely outstanding. So, I, look, this is a little bit fun. We've got an early out because we've got brewers baseball opening day uh two weeks from yesterday in san diego opening day the home home opener is two weeks from monday um we got all sorts of special programming whether it's the ncaa or the super bowl or the masters or whatever i hope your team ends up winning okay i am out of time i'm back monday 12 noon when we do this all again thanks for watching us on our uh studio camera as well have a great weekend This is the weekend when everybody's Irish. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.